Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Welcome to the Mini Break, your daily podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Sunday, June 26th. Of course, all of us tennis fans ready to turn our attention towards the year's third Grand Slam. The 2022 Wimbledon officially gets underway on Monday. It promises to deliver another exciting two weeks of Grand Slam tennis. Of course, we here at Crack Rackets have done our best to try to preview the Wimbledon action from every angle. We offered our top five contenders for the men's and women's singles crowns. We broke down the draws, naming the unseeded players we think could make second week runs, offering our predictions for how we see the action unfolding. All of that content available over on our Great Shot podcast feed. Now, all we have to do is wait for the tournament to begin. And of course, throughout the 2022 Wimbledon, we'll have coverage of it all. I'll recap the day's action with our usual cast of characters and friends here at Crack Rackets over on this mini break podcast feed. We'll offer predictions and previews for each of the day's matches over on our Great Shot podcast feed, that ace of the day segment. Going to focus on the odds offered by our friends at DraftKings, but of course, we'll look at the match schedule more broadly, and I will offer my favorites, my winners, the upsets I see on the board throughout each and every day. Of course, if you are a Patreon subscriber. You can expect match of the day segments as well, where I get into the numbers, get into the tactics of my favorite singles matches of the day. All of that content going to be available on our website, crackrackets.com or wherever you listen to your podcast. Of course, before Wimbledon begins, still have to talk about the four ATP and WTA championship matches we saw unfold on Saturday. Don't forget about these champions, folks, as we look at this action in Wimbledon beginning. Of course, it was Petra Kvitova, Caroline Garcia, Stefano Tsitsipas, and Taylor Fritz ascending to the winner's circle all in various fashions. I want to break down those matches here on today's show. It may actually be a mini, mini break in terms of length, but didn't want to leave these matches hanging. Certainly was an exciting day of tennis across the ATP and WTA Tour, whether it was the serving of Tsitsipas and Kvitova, the plus one tennis there able to play, obviously, on this grass court surface in particular, it's just going to be effective. It's going to keep them competitive in matches, and I want to talk about why both of them are now playing well enough to be considered serious contenders at the 2022 Wimbledon, of course, in a Caroline Garcia. You have someone who hasn't been in the winner's circle since 2019, but has always found success on the grass courts, and despite Caroline Garcia no longer being the number four player 
in the world. Caroline Garcia is far, far from old. The case can be made that while she had perhaps a profound amount of success early in her career. This version of Caroline Garcia may be the more well-rounded player than she was back when she was top five in the world. So I want to break down her performance in Bad Hamburg. Talk about an incredible performance and continued ex- excellence in the first set, I should say, from Taylor Fritz. Is he back? That's a question we can ponder on today's show. Again, just going to focus on those four tour-level championship matches we saw unfold on Saturday, of course. Again, Wimbledon coverage will kick off tomorrow. I believe we already have an Ace of the Day segment up for you as we head into day one. Of course, all of this content made possible because of the support we get from all of you. And we know it's our job to keep you the most well-informed, best-educated fans in the business. We continue to plan on doing that moving forward. Coverage going to continue every day throughout the course of the 2022 Wimbledon. That includes weekends. That's my word to you. Now, I won't lie in advance next Saturday, have a wedding. My oldest cousins in D.C. nevertheless should be able to record a podcast before the ceremonies get underway. 5 p.m., 6 p.m. Eastern time with the time zone differences between Eastern Coast of the United States and Wimbledon. Outside of that Saturday, again, we're going to have picks for you. We're going to have projections for you, recaps. We'll talk to our usual group of friends. All that content available on our website, crackrackets.com. A shout out as well to our friends at Tennis Point for their continued support of this podcast. They understand tennis fans deserve to have a show that breaks down all the action. There is so much action that happens every day on the ATP and WTA Tour. Of course, so many tennis fans are also tennis players in Tennis Point knows it's its job to provide the best equipment at the lowest prices to tennis players everywhere. They do that on their website, tennis-point.com, where you can find the latest and greatest equipment at the lowest prices. When you inevitably do make a purchase, be sure to use our promo code CR15. Not only will you let them know we sent you there, you'll get 15% off all sale items, free two-day shipping on all orders exceeding $75. Best of all, a free can of Wilson Extra Duty Tennis Balls, tennis-point symbol not the spelling, tennis-point.com. The promo code is CR15. With that said, let's get into this attempted mini, mini break. We'll start with Petra Kvitova in Eastbourne. Some of you mini break listeners may follow me on Twitter. I'm immensely grateful for all of you that do as such. If you do, you will have already seen me tweet out this stat. But simply put, Petra Kvitova's serving performance on her way to the title in Eastbourne. One of the all-time serving performances. Now, of course, in terms of relevance, it's still a you know WTA warm-up tournament event prior to a Grand Slam. So is it an all-time serving performance? No. There are Serena slams, Osaka's runs to the slams, certainly even Kvitova at Wimbledon when she's won her titles where there are more notable serving performances. But if you look at the numbers from Petra Kvitova throughout her run to the title, she made Two-thirds of her first serve, 67.7%. So over two-thirds for you math sticklers. For reference right now, 2022 season, WTA leaderboard, 67.7% uh, of first serves. That number would rank sixth on the WTA Tour this season. She run 77.2% 
of her first serve points. Yes, it was on a grass court, but that number would rank first on the WTA Tour above Osaka, Rabakina, Benchich, Keys, you name it, Kvitova was better than them this week. Second serve win performance. She won 63 0.3% of her second serve points. That number would be number one by 10.9% on the WTA Tour leaderboard. Of course, that number perhaps more than anything, emphasizing that we are on a grass court. But again, she won 63.3% of her uh, second serve points. She hit 10, you know, aces on 10.1% of her first serves. That 10.1% number would be number one on the WTA Tour, 0.3% above Naomi Osaka. She fought off 13 of 15 break points she faced in her five victories, was broken in just one match during the tournament. It was by Katie Bolter, who happened to break her twice in the first set. I mean, Kvitova was just untouchable with the serve. And if you watched her match against Ostapenko, a 6-3-6-2 victory for Petra Kvitova, it was exceptional tennis. It was plus one power tennis from both of these players. The power tennis we've come to expect from both of these players, particularly with how well they were playing last week. Now, you look for Petra Kvitova, again, faced five break points in the match against Yelena Ostapenko, faced three of them in one game early in set number one and just was able to find first serves whenever she needed them, whether it be the big first serve down the tee to the Ostapenko forehand, whether it be hitting the slice serve on the ad side so well that even Ostapenko, who does as good of a job as any player on the WTA Tour on taking that return of serve early on the rise, particularly on her backhand wing, the lefty slice of Petra Kvitova, too effective just in finding, again, or creating plus one opportunities for Kvitova where she could take her plus one forehand to the open court. Or, you know, again, if Ostapenko's trying to cover that court, Kvitova more than comfortable hitting that plus one forehand behind and on the sprint Ostapenko. If you just give Kvitova time on the plus one forehand, I mean, that plus one power tennis she can play. She is a member of Serena Williams' power tennis country club. She can be such an exceptional front runner because... When she's holding serve with ease, now she gets to be the aggressive returner. Now she gets to step up into the baseline and, you know, swing freely on that backhand wing or take these massive cuts on the forehand side. I also thought she moved particularly well, did a better job of absorbing at least some of the plus one tennis Ostapenko would throw at her. I mean, you look at the big number from this match. Again, Kvitova making over 68% of her first serves in the final. Yelena Ostapenko, who was so exceptional throughout the week on serve, you know, her lowest since round number two and her lowest uh, of the tournament since that second round match, just one set. She made just 54% of her first serves. And while she was equally effective on that first serve as she had been all tournament long, Ostapenko only won 34.5% of her second serve points. Kvitova, anytime she got a look at a second serve, she was going big on the return of serve, making Ostapenko pay, making Ostapenko, you know, forcing Ostapenko, I should say, actually, to be on her back foot. I mean, it was very simple tennis. You didn't have I can only imagine 10 rallies that went over 10 shots at, no, fewer than 10. I'd say 10 rallies that went over eight shots in this match. It was plus one tennis at its finest. There were moments when Ostapenko would step into her forehand or backhand return or set up a plus one opportunity where her feet were just set under her. And Ostapenko played at least plus one tennis 
As I said, though, in our preview for the final, I think Kvitova's plus one, Kvitova's best right now, being the tall lefty that she is on a grass court, is just better than Ostapenko's. And guess what? It was. And for Petra Kvitova, whose numbers I already listed in our draw preview and in our Dark Horses podcast looking at the women's singles draw, she's been exceptional on grass courts throughout the course of her career. Obviously a multi-time Wimbledon champion, but now 64-21. and 21. She's won over 75%. Of the matches she's played in her career on grass courts, that's the best for her on any surface now with her title here in Eastbourne for Petra Kvitova. Five titles on grass courts in her career. I believe most uh, of any player other than Serena Williams since Kvitova won her first title back in 2011 on the grass courts. And I also believe for Petra Kvitova, who won her first WTA-level title Back in 2009, she has, if you look again, tour-level titles for Petra Kvitova. She's won 27 since winning that first in 2009. That's more than any player on the WTA Tour during this stretch of time than Serena Williams. That matters. And yes, Petra Kvitova has never been a world number one. But of course, Petra Kvitova in her career at the Grand Slams, two Wimbledon titles, the Aussie Open final back in 2019. You look for her again, Grand Slam semifinals has made seven of them in her career. I mean, an unequivocal Hall of Famer. But when you think about Petra Kvitova, who, of course, underwent a terrible off-court tragedy. Some breaks into her home. She's a victim of a stabbing and still competing at this level. Age, you know, doesn't turn 32 years old. Or excuse me, turn 32 years old at the start of March. But it just feels like, again, with the power tennis she's able to play, this is a stark reminder that when that serve is clicking, and it was clicking this week, and again, she was number one in every category on the WTA Stats leaderboard, except for first serve percentage, where she was sixth, but her first serve is that much more effective than everyone else's. When she serves this well, as I've alluded to all week, she can just up in the draw. And for Petra Kvitova, she has a tough draw. She's in that section of death uh, in the top half of the women's draw, which, again, you look across the board. We broke this down in our women's draw preview, but you look at that Paula Bedosa quarter of the draw. Kvitova, that would be her third-round match. She then probably, if things hold seed, would play a Simona Halep. After that, either a Coco Goff, who's obviously been exceptional on grass courts, two round of 16s in her two Wimbledon appearances, or Karolina Pliskova, last week's final, uh, last year's final at Wimbledon, excuse me, Petra Kvitova has a brutal section just to get to the semifinals. And if she gets to the semifinals, more likely than not, it's Iga Sviantek awaiting her there. That said, if Petra Kvitova keeps serving this well, she's just going to have opportunities. And by the way, as will Yelena Ostapenko. And you look at the odds offered by both Tennis Abstract and the DraftKings Sportsbook, Yelena Ostapenko high on the list for both metrics. You look for Ostapenko, according to the Tennis Abstract forecast, she has the sixth highest odds, 5% chance of winning Wimbledon, Kvitova 10th at 2.3%. You look, according to the DraftKings Sportsbook odds, Kvitova fourth, 14 to 1 odds. Ostapenko sixth at 17 to 1 odds. Ostapenko in that bottom half of the draw, likely a Benchich matchup if things stick according to form, not according to seed, uh, in that bottom quarter of the draw, that Contave quarter, I should say, of the draw. But Ostapenko striking the ball so well took an elite power performance to beat her, and there just aren't that many players who can 
play that level of power tennis as consistently as Kvitova did in the final. Again, Ostapenko played well to even keep it three and two. That's how well Kvitova was striking the ball. Better match than the scoreline indicates, but ultimately it's Petra Kvitova earning, again, title number 27 in her career, 27 WTA titles for Petra Kvitova. That's a ridiculous number and a testament to the power tennis she's capable of playing. Of course, that was your women's action in Eastbourne. You look at the most notable men's title winner of Saturday. It has to be Stefano Tsitsipas, who joins an elite list of players in winning matches, uh, excuse me, tournaments across all three surfaces. In fact, Stefano Tsitsipas becomes the first player born after 1994 to win an ATP title on all three surfaces. And you look at the list of players who have been able to do it. Again, it's an elite list of players, active guys who have won titles on every surface. Obviously, the big four, Djokovic, Federer, Murray, Nadal. They've all done it. Some other names. You look at the Isners of the world, Gasquets, Teams, Dimitrov, Chilich, Bautista Agut. You've got some outliers in Query, Lopez, Kohlschreiber, Seppi, and Luca Pui. And then a Richard Gasquet, Andy Murray, of course, member of the big four. Um, But those are all guys who played 15, 20 years of ATP Tour tennis. All guys, you know, certainly maybe not Lopez and Kohlschreiber and Seppi, but guys who are in the mix for the ATP Hall of Fame, guys who have memorable careers. When you talk about an era of tennis, you're going to talk about the Isners, about the Gasquets, not extensively, but you have to bring them up. When you talk about the big three, big four era, who are the guys that they dominated, who they otherwise blocked out of Grand Slam contention? Certainly a guy like Richard Gasquet or, you know, again, a Grigor Dimitrov, who uh, are both on these list of players who have done it. That's the sort of list you get on. And by the way, this is not saying anything new for Stefano Tsitsipas, who's already competed in a Grand Slam final and already won a year-end championship. But, you know, it's notable. He does it before Medvedev. Before Zverev, before, you know, some of the other guys, the Rublevs, the Norris of the world, obviously Alcaraz hasn't played much grass court tennis at all, so he hasn't done it yet. Sinner hasn't done it yet either. Worth noting the success here of Stefano Tsitsipas, and in particular, what impressed me so much throughout the week, I know I've alluded to this on previous podcasts, but it's how well he was hitting the serve plus one. Throughout the course of the week, you look for Stefano Tsitsipas, who, you know, was winning over 76% of his first serve points throughout the course of the week. He continued that performance in what I branded a litmus test match for him against Roberto Bautista Agut. And you look for Stefano Tsitsipas in earning this victory again in Mallorca, 6-4, He won 81% of his first serve points against Bautista Gut. Now, was broken four times throughout the course of the match, but, you know, also did his own damage on the Roberto Bautista Gut second serve. And the Tsitsipas forehand is just a weapon on these grass courts. The weight of that shot when he gets his feet set under him, his ability to change directions with that shot, hit it just as comfortably cross-court and on a sharp angle as he is in opening up his hips and going inside out with that ball. It's interesting to see his abbreviated backswing when he hits on the run and tries to find those inside-out forehands on this surface in particular. But, man, I mean, Tsitsipas only made 55% of his first serves. He, again, was broken on four or five breakpoint chances. He got broken serving for the match, up 5-4 in the third. 
And he still managed to hold on, still managed to earn the victory. And again, for Tsitsipas to earn this title, title number two for him on the season to go along with his Monte Carlo title, but of course four finals for him now on the season as well. You look for Tsitsipas here in 2022, 39-13 overall. And just, I mean, he was exceptional. You look at the clay court season he just put together. He went 17-4 and four on the clay. The losses, Alcaraz, Djokovic, Zverev, and then obviously the four-set disappointing loss, but incredible performance from Holger Runa in the Roland Garros round of 16. He's a top-five guy. Like He really does have that sort of resume, and I know that's not exactly a revelation to anyone, but him putting together the grass piece is the last component. You look for Tsitsipas in his career, 17 and 12 on grass courts. This was his first time reaching a pro grass court semi, an ATP tour level, excuse me, grass court semifinal, let alone a final and winning a title. His win over Roberto Bautista Agut here on the grass courts, his, uh, excuse me, second, I should say, over a top 20 player, but he's only played three top 20 guys on grass courts. You look for him against the top 50, Tsitsipas now four and three against top 50 opponents on grass courts just slowly gaining confidence and again his serve his plus one forehand which are often the biggest weapons on the court he learned how to assert himself to utilize them as the biggest weapons on the court point in point out throughout the course of this week certainly gained some confidence heading into Wimbledon and I mean look Alex Richard all due respect to the former University of Virginia national champion but that's an ideal first round matchup for Tsitsipas to find his bearings in this tournament and certainly you look for Stefano Tsitsipas I mean a potential matchup with a Nick Kyrgios in round three who obviously he saw earlier this grass court season Kyrgios knocking him off in three sets in Halle I mean, you got to get your legs under you at some point. And certainly against Bautista Gut, he found his rhythm. He's going to have to take it to the next level if he wants to knock off the Kyrgios, just given, again, the structural advantages for Kyrgios in this matchup on this surface. But hell of a week for Tsitsipas. And, I mean, look, Roberto Bautista Gut's just a nightmare. And you look for RBA, his draw at this year's Wimbledon certainly has a very winnable match round one against Balaz from Hungary. But, you know, he's got Shapovalov in his immediate section. He would face the winner of that hypothetical Tsitsipas Kyrgios in round number four. RBA is the ultimate litmus test. And certainly given if... Tsitsipas Kyrgios is the blockbuster we all anticipate it will be. You know, it's always a miserable matchup after that is having to go up three out of five sets against Roberto Bautista Agut. So certainly, Stefano Tsitsipas, RBA, two guys you got to watch heading into Wimbledon. In terms of our two other tournaments we saw unfold on Championship Saturday, shout out to Caroline Garcia. Just struck the ball so purely uh, in her victory and ultimate wins over, uh, obviously, Bianca Andreescu three sets in the final and look I don't think Andreescu played poorly like I do think Andreescu certainly had her chances to close out the match and Andreescu was rock solid through the first set and a half of this match Caroline Garcia ultimately earning a 6-7 6-4 6-4 victory you look for Caroline Garcia you know was broken three times throughout the course of the match but I I, like again she was not definitively better then Bianca Andreescu in this one. Andreescu, I thought, had the majority of the opportunities in the match. And you look for Andreescu, who was so successful on the first serve. 
just again, she blinked twice. Like credit to Caroline Garcia. I guess Garcia in, in this instance then may have been the more consistent of the two players. You look for Garcia, you know, winning 73% of her first serve points to Andrescu's 64%, 59% of her second serve points to Andrescu's 47%. But to me, again, and this is the big thing, Andrescu is making 65% of her first serves. Andrescu just played more first serve points throughout the course of this match than Caroline Garcia, despite the disparities in their percentages. I mean, look, Bianca had her chances. Again, uh, certainly four, you know, three of seven on breakpoint chances. And, you know, they were holding pace in that second set. It felt like Andrescu, who I believe did go up an early break in set number two, just, just again, she blinked in the immediate aftermath of that. And Caroline Garcia stayed relentless. I thought she was moving extraordinarily well, striking the ball brilliantly from the baseline, using her length extraordinarily well around the court as well. And just continuing to press forward, continuing to swing freely. And you look for Garcia it was her first final for her since Nottingham 2019 first title since that grass court event as well. Now for Bianca Andreescu, first final since Miami last season, second final total since winning the U.S. Open uh, back in 2019. Big moment for Bianca Andreescu, who just by virtue of making the final now back approaching the top 50 up to number 56. Garcia's at number 55 in the live rankings. And for both of those players with a massive hard court summer coming up, you just want to get into the main draw. You don't have want to have to deal with qualifying both of them significantly closer to doing just that. I mean, if you're Andrescu, you're going to miss the knocked opportunities, but for Andrescu to get a significant amount of grass court tennis under her belt and to earn the victory she did early in the week against a Kasatkina and, you know, to hold strong against a Katie Swan and bounce back from the tough loss from against Pliskova last week. Again, Andrescu comes in hot. She has a potential early matchup, you know, a couple of early difficult matchups, certainly, uh, as you look at her Wimbledon draw. Yes, she's got Amina Bechtis, the former University of Michigan All-American early in the tournament. But after that, for Andrescu, it's not as though things get particularly easier as you look uh, for Bianca. She would take on the winner of Vandewey, Rybakina after that. And, you know, is certainly in that top Iga Sviantek quarter of the draw. It's going to be interesting. To watch uh, Bianca Andreescu, certainly Caroline Garcia now on everyone's women's dark horse list. And given we don't know the status of Emma Raducanu, everyone has her on upset alert against Ali Van Utvenk. Garcia would play the winner of that if she can get through the former Oklahoma standout Miyazaki in round number one. Look, there's definitely a pathway to the second week for Garcia. The seeds in her section, Zhang Shuai and Emma Raducanu. Like those, again, Garcia is playing better than both of those players right now. And last week was a testament to that fact. So keep an eye on both Garcia and Andrescu. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at newbalance.com. Last, but certainly not least, Let's give a shout out to Taylor Fritz. Big victory for Fritz. Ultimately, again, another guy who was in control throughout the course of his match against Maxime Cressy. Cressy ultimately scraping out a second set breaker uh, to force the third. But Taylor Fritz stayed steady 
Taylor Fritz stayed relentless and ultimately Taylor Fritz back into the winner's circle in Eastbourne as Fritz able to earn a three-set victory, 6-2, Fritz didn't face a break point throughout the course of the match and you know again I think was won something like 85 percent of his first serve points and you know came out so aggressive with strike if you know was just seeing the Max Cressy serve so cleanly on the return and again when Fritz is seeing the ball cleanly he's as good of a ball striker as you're going to find on tour it was just dipping that plus one uh that return of serve at the feet of Max Cressy giving him such few easy put away plus one volleys and then it was target practice for Fritz on the second passing shot and when you give Taylor Fritz time and you know, again, target practice. He's going to hit all the targets. Short angle, cross court, backhand passing shot was working. He eventually started working in the lobs, the drives. Taylor was incredible. Again, hitting his spots so cleanly, stayed aggressive on serve. There was a long service point. I believe it was four all or five four Fritz in the breaker. I think it was five four Fritz in the. Br- no, no, no. Yeah, I think it was 5-4 Fritz in the breaker, or maybe it was 4-3 Fritz in the breaker, because Fritz was certainly on serve. I think it was 4-3, actually. And look, Cressy extended the rally, was in brick wall mode, said, you know what, it's a third set tiebreaker, might as well try some grinding. And Fritz didn't press, he didn't get over aggressive, he didn't force his way forward, he just grinded Cressy down from the baseline, used his ground strokes to continue to stretch Cressy further and further into the outer thirds until, you know, Cressy netted a forehand. And ultimately, Taylor Fritz, again, able to take that third set with the mini break in the breaker and was just the steadier of the two players. And clearly, it's been a career year for Taylor Fritz, who you look right now ninth in the points race is Taylor Fritz, currently sitting at number 14 in the live rankings, as well is the 24-year-old Fritz now here in 2022, 24-10 overall on the season. That includes after going 5-3 and three on the clay court. So again, you know, 19-7 and seven outside of the clay, um, and now uh, another title for him at Eastbourne. He won there back in 2019 as well, wins over big servers and Cressy and Bublik, a good physical win over Demon Hour as well, where his weapons just won out. You look for Taylor Fritz. He's got Lorenzo Musetti, round number one of Wimbledon. Certainly a very winnable match, given Fritz's ability to, again, use his first serve to expose the weakness. After that, Holger Runa, the seed in his section, certainly Marcos Garon going to be lingering dangerous, could absolutely knock out Runa in round number one. You know, after that, you look for Fritz. Uh, a potential fourth-round matchup would be Felix Ogier-Aliassime. Now, you got to get there first to get there, and Felix is going to have to get through Maxime Cressy, which is a nightmare of a first-round matchup. But Fritz is looking good. I mean, Cressy looks damn good. Max Cressy, just so relentless. He's holding over 85% of the time, over 88% of the time at the ATP level this season, and just he knows what he wants to do. He's going to relentlessly execute. Again, he didn't face a break point, and he still, or he didn't earn a break point in this match, and he was relentless. That, that he wasn't, you know, again, he wasn't deterred. Uh, he continued to press through. He continued to power forward. He's that itch on the on your back that you just can't reach, and he's just going to make you so uncomfortable, forcing you to hit passing shot after passing shot after passing shot. And if you get frustrated, if you don't allow yourself to stay focused, or even if you do, as Taylor Fritz did today. He's just going to hit the big serve by you, or he's going to have a pop one uh, volley pop up for him that he's going to stick and put away, and he's going to use his length to 
make that extra shot at the net. He's going to chip and charge his way forward or just, you know, move a little bit better than you expect and hit a clean backhand on the run passing shot by you. Cressy can ball on these grass courts. And Max Cressy, with the season he has put together so far, deservedly inside the top 50 for the first time in his career. Maxime Cressy up to number 45 in the live rankings. Second ATP final. For him this season, reached his first, obviously, in Melbourne earlier this year. Again, this is a guy who his freshman year was the last man on the bench for the UCLA men's tennis team, and now he's inside the top 50 of the ATP rankings. Max Cressy, where is he in the points race? He's 32nd in the points race. He's been a top 35 player this season. Not bad for the 25-year-old. Not bad at all. But with all of that said, again, don't want you to forget about these champions, Kvitova, Tsitsipas, Garcia, Fritz, all carrying momentum, and honestly, the finalists as well, Andrescu, Cressy, Ostapenko, obviously RBA, all players to keep in mind as we head towards Wimbledon. But with that said, it's Wimbledon time, and we'll have coverage for you each and every day here at Crack Rackets. We'll have recaps here on the Mini Break podcast feed, previews and picks over on the Great Shot podcast feed, all that content available on our website, crackrackets.com. A shout-out, as always, to super producer Daniel Westoff for the f- of an editing job he does day in, day out, making all of our content possible. Shout-out as well to our friends at Tennis Point, tennis-point.com. The promo code is CR15. With all of that said, for our super producer Daniel Westoff, our friends at Tennis Point from all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You know what we say. That's the break. We'll talk to you all tomorrow. Thanks, everyone. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.